Our In Conversation series is a podcast where we talk to someone interesting about all matters Liverpool. Today, I'll be speaking to Richard McDonald. He is a urban and local design planner, and we'll be discussing heritage and how that has an impact on Liverpool's built environment. Hi, Richard. It's great to have you on the In Conversation podcast. Now, Liverpool and heritage... It's a big subject with lots of people having lots of very different opinions on this. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your professional background and how that informs your opinion on, on how Heritage and Liverpool's built environment go together? I currently work for a local authority, not Liverpool, uh, as a conservation and urban design planner. And I have also worked as a freelance tour guide and blue badge guide for the Liverpool City region. Uh, I've written numerous things about Liverpool's history, and I'm particularly interested in the role that Heritage plays as a uh, education uh, interpretation, um, and also as a tool of regeneration. And okay. in many ways, the sort of my tour guiding, my professional career, and everything sort of comes into that synthesis of utilising what we've got in terms of our built heritage yeah. for greater good, basically. That sort of sets you up where I'm coming from, basically. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm an individual with a, a, a part of a politician, but I do have my standpoint as well. I mean, that, that's your position. My, I'll introduce where my position comes from then. I studied architecture at university. Um, I worked for three practices in Liverpool when I came straight out of university. So I kind of saw everything from the planning frustration side of things. So yeah. I won't say who the three practices were. Um, I think this still exists. Um, but they were varied. One was more dealing with um, more local sort of medium scale development sort of stuff in Chester, stuff in Liverpool. But it was housing sort of estates around, say, Anfield, for example, you know, regeneration, that type of um, low rise or, or mid rise stuff. Then, then there's another one which was more to do with big scale things like massive PFI projects and hyper rail links and all this kind of thing, big infrastructure projects. So there was a bit of a variance between. And there was one particular practice who still today is doing a lot, a lot of big residential stuff in Liverpool. So there was, a, there was a variety of development and I saw the interactions that they would have with local authorities, with the client, the <laughs> particularly frustrating, this was back in 2007, uh, eight time, a particularly frustrating city planning department at the time who had this, had this very big issue with buildings being over a certain number of floors. So you'd see the architects in their office screaming their heads off because there was a glass wall between us and them uh, with the director yeah. staff going berserk because their project will be um, knocked down again in, in floors, which obviously then reduces the size of the development, that reduces the size of the floor space. The client who's building this thing wants to lease or flats they want to squeeze in. So it had a knock-on effect, but it was interesting to watch the the exchanges. And it was never quite clear why, except often quite spurious excuses about heritage, context, sight lines, and other particular people. So that, that's, that's where my initial root of my standpoint, which is more away from heritage a bit more towards I, I do respect heritage I'll come, to, I'll come to that later but I'm more for seeing the city develops that's in a roundabout way where I I come from so I don't think we're totally apart but no maybe I, mean, I, I, and I think one of the frustrations that I have um I'm sure you have exactly the same one although we perhaps see it from different angles mm. is that and you mentioned sort of spurious excuses and things um mm. and I think sometimes heritage can be thrown out there as an easy go-to in many ways yes. if you want to you know object against something um 
this idea that you know oh it's it's either heritage or it's uh environment isn't it it's either yes uh, a yeah. lovely old building or it's a great crested new colony and yes <laughs> they're your sort of go-to things you'll often find that a lot of the heritage arguments etc are not particularly although they may be used by planners and, and that sort of professional sort of thing yes. they can also be picked up and understood by members of the general public for whatever yes, yes, names they yes, want whereas something like say you know an economic feasibility study or a viability appraisal for a site in terms of you know the economics of it and or yeah. you know a, a utilities sort of you know your m and e is there going to be enough power for this development is there enough yeah. sewage connections that sort of thing is beyond what the average member of the public can sort of That's however a- yeah any of us though you know we can look at a lovely old building or a particular conservation area or a green field and say oh that's got some value because it's old or it's full of nature, etc. I think it's very easy to use it as an excuse. And I wonder if that is part of the reason why you've had so many frustrations with it. Because well, possibly. I mean, I mean, yeah. this is me, this is me just this is me just observing what other people yeah. and also and, and I've followed Liverpool's development since 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 I was a kid. Mm. So because architecture regeneration is something I'm interested in amongst other things. So you're watching more and more projects come up against this buffer, and it, and mm. that's not that's not to say the city hasn't moved on. We've we've seen immense developments, especially since uh, since the late nineties, and slowly but surely the development has I mean, it's fell off a cliff a little bit lately. But for for quite a long period, there was some solid development and a bit more ambition with it all. But, yeah. but there would still be that niggling issue that and again local politicians will use this, certain councillors will use this repeatedly, largely in my view to. It, it would seem to sort of solidify their purpose or their role and, and it sort of run to the front of the crowd, follow me, I'll stop this development. And mm. it just seems a bit strange yeah. that you'd want to stop office blocks and places of job creation. And then the heritage comes in. And as you mentioned, the environment comes in. We even had rabbits, rabbit nests brought forward as excuses. Yeah. <laughs> well, my point is it kind of undermines real heritage, it undermines real environmental concerns because it seems to be thrown at, as you say, certain it development. Can, it, it can do. <sighs> I mean, and the thing is, you know, we've got to understand this is that heritage and the environment are both important parts of our national planning policy. Of course, that, yeah, of course, no set, one would deny that's that. Set, yeah. That's set by the government. They say yeah. uh, historic assets, whatever they are, have um, uh, an intrinsic and irreplaceable value. Basically, yes. you know, once once it's gone, you're never going to be able to rebuild the Houses of Parliament. For instance, they, they, they have a value and that value has to be recognised in the planning system. And there are many uh, ways that that is done. I think one of the issues that Liverpool particularly had is the, dare we bring it up this early on, but World Heritage Status. Oh, um, that's the a meaty topic. Site. It's a massive <laughs> topic. And, and of course, we, we're not going to be able to talk about that in, in much depth. No, but we'll definitely uh, get know, to it, though. That's coming, but yeah. Yeah, but, but, but there's, there's the idea that that designation was perhaps too restrictive for a, a, a living city for want of a better yeah, a major uh, living city yeah. yeah maybe it was too wide in its scope in terms of its its footprint maybe there was areas that shouldn't have been included in it but i think one of the real things that i really really upset me about the entire world heritage stuff thing is that i could see there was potential and i think if the situation would have been different not just locally but nationally potential to really use liverpool as an exemplar for good of a what we call adaptive reuse or you know uh, proactive conservation where you allow things to develop 
and change whilst yes. protecting those historic elements which are of significance and i don't yes. think that had really been done at such a big scale uh, in terms of a world heritage site before unfortunately the way world heritage is set up and the way it's it's run and operated by unesco unesco won't particularly talk to individual cities or towns because they believe that or the way they're set up is they will discuss with states parties which basically means the government so if the government wasn't willing to pick up and run with liverpool's case and they wouldn't have a strong advocate there and i don't think we've had a strong advocate there really to be honest it's very it's been very difficult for liverpool as a city of anybody to engage with unesco because Mm -hmm. there's a whole strata in the middle of that communication which is is not there without saying it's a failing of the state that hasn't helped given given the way liverpool has done a lot of regeneration since the 1980s you know starting with i suppose the albert dock is a prime example i think liverpool was in a really good position to be able to forcefully put a case forward saying you know what we we we, we do take it seriously but you've got to recognize that we are a city we're not we're not the pyramids we're not taj mahal we're a living, changing city with the dynamism of what cities are. You know, cities change. That's part of them. And I think, sadly, that conversation never happens. And it's led to the situation we're in now where we've we've lost world heritage status, which it's a bit of a kick in the teeth, especially when you consider how hard people work to get it in the first place. No, I agree. I remember when it was first came <laughs> along. I thought it was quite exciting when that first arrived because it's like yeah. we're, up, we're up on a level with the Taj Mahal and and all these amazing world, world sites which give... Liverpool's a lot of kudos to have that particular title. It never occurred to me, I mean, about 20 years ago we got that, that it would later on become perversely twisted into something which you was used as, as a stick to beat any form of development with. And a lot of the time when I'm arguing with people over this, whether it's on Twitter or just, just you know, we, we, <laughs> we, we have plenty of arguments with the people who contribute oh, to the have. policy yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah. It's one of those where people who, who, who are sort of supportive of development and want to see the city grow are instantly pitched as being anti-heritage i'm not anti-heritage in a million years my, my, liverpool's got some beautiful buildings and we would never suggest that any of this is destroyed but what gets so in, makes me so incensed is that it's so um illogical what people come out with it's like you're looking at a piece of wasteland quayside that's been derelict for 30 40 years with nothing on it and people are rallying for this using heritage arguments and you're thinking how on earth can you you're making a mockery of what heritage protection is meant to be. A city of Liverpool's size, it's and it and it's need. It needs to grow. It's a city which is its economy is still not on a par with its places like Manchester or Leeds or Birmingham. It has to develop. And coming back to your point about Liverpool maybe being some sort of an example of how that can be achieved, we probably have missed an opportunity there. We could have had a situation where we had real protection for real heritage, but at the same time allowed modern good modern architecture to rub up alongside that well considered not you know not pastiche or red brick well always seems to build as red brick um brick blocks everywhere meanwhile in toxteth which obviously wasn't included in world heritage status you've got the welsh presbyterian church falling apart and things like that so there's there seems to be a total a lack of focus and it starts to drift into what seems to be more ideological and political reasons to oppose development yeah. which is a pattern um would would, would you agree with that Yes, to, to to caveat a little bit, I, I I can absolutely agree with the the fact that you know as a city we need to develop and the North Docks in particular where there are vast areas of of undeveloped land. It's an absolute travesty that they haven't been built on in the last thirty forty years. I'm not necessarily advocating filling docks in, but yeah. the land either side of them and that sort of area, you know, yes. that hasn't 
in the developed, you've got acres of low rise, very uh, light industry sort of, you know, single story sheds and warehouses, you know, light automotive or minor manufacturing and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at that thing and bloody hell, that could be densified. If you look at London, Stratford and Docklands and places like that, Manchester, Salford Keys, these are areas which were very much like that for a long time. Mm. And slowly but surely, these industries have been moved to more suitable locations. But because a lot of these sheds up the Atlantic Boulevard or up towards Bootle and Seaford, a lot of them have actually replaced what was quite interesting heritage. Like even Costco, you know, and the Bibby buildings, they, they, they demolished some incredible warehouses. Huge, beautiful built but warehouses, yeah. You can see yeah. why some people are quite protective. And it's totally understandable. Mm. We've lost some beautiful buildings from from right across city centre, particularly the docks, a lot of it's been knocked away. And I think what gets missed in the arguments is no one's trying to, or certainly I'm not, trying to advocate that we smash down what's left. I'm more interested in seeing the crappy metal sheds from the 1980s and 90s removed. Even near the pier head, there's a few of them, um, which I think are owned by Peel now. Um, all the way through, they need to be mm. pushed further along. So we just re-urbanise what yeah. we're part of the city at, some, at one point. But one key thing to, uh, I want to keep, remind people of, Stanley Dock Warehouse, uh, the Royal Lava Building, um, the Mayor's Docks and Harbour Board, the former Cunard offices, they're all built on infilled docks. It's not always a negative. Some of our greatest architecture is built on what was a repurposed key sites. So it's yeah. not always a negative, yeah. but we do have to match that if best we can, market permitting, try and get better architecture when yeah. we do build it, I think. Yeah, and, and that's one thing we you know we have to understand that you know there have been docks filled in, and that how is how Liverpool has grown. You know when we run out of use in the dock, we fill it in, and you know the other docks were too small, fill them in, build nice buildings on them. I think that's okay in in principle in many ways, as long as it doesn't become a precedent. <laughs> yes, yeah, this, is, yeah. this this is one of the things, isn't it? It's it's death by a yeah. thousand cuts. It's oh we're only we're not filling the entire dock and we're just filling in a quarter of it. Thirty years down the line, you're left with a I think Herculaneum dock down in in Toxford Way, yeah, a really is, yeah. nice pool with fountains in the middle of a nice housing yeah. development. So yeah, it's one of the big questions. Is you can argue, I suppose, that that blue space, the water. It has a value as blue space as well. Um, yeah, of course um, it does. <laughs> blue yeah, space yeah. is what makes Liverpool what it is. I mean, I don't think anyone. Connect, one of the the big the greatest things that really pleased me was the reopening of the link between the um, the Albert Dock and the um, the Canal Link. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a bit. Oh, it's not how I would have designed it down at the pierhead itself because I think it's a little bit skateboarders paradise. Yeah. I think. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean. I, I like that though because you know and if you go down there in the summer and you see all the skateboards and people using it it feels like you're in like california or somewhere you know yes people yes. skating up and down it's like it's, i know i know i don't want to cool sound place. like an old i don't want to sound like an old man here but it's one of the biggest bugbears is watching skateboarders scrape the hell out of brand new public oh yeah and i was just like yeah, why why i'm not an old man or anything well christ's sake go and find somewhere don't break it we've just had public funding to pay for this thing and now you're ripping the back out of it with back a skateboard yeah, yeah. although there's ways around that design wise but this brings us neatly onto actually waterloo dock which i want to pick your brains on okay. because that's yeah. that kind of sits right in the middle of what we're talking about uh ramal wants to build or have now got permission to build this residential scheme on this direct piece of quayside, right side bang next to an active building site, which is the um, Isle of Man Ferry Terminal. Now, their proposal was to build this block by filling in a slither of what is now West Waterloo Dock. Yeah, you got Waterloo Dock, which goes right. It's quite large, but one side of it's called West Waterloo Dock, and they want to fill in a little bit. Of, I say a little bit. It's a section of that, um, and ex and keep the other section for what will be a canal link. I guess retaining that link you mentioned a moment ago. That caused a lot of uproar, of course, from people living in. 
the Barrett Ooh. homes opposite and the Waterloo warehouse behind that. They've rallied, saved Waterloo Dark. And we've had massive exchanges with them, been blocked twice, only to be unblocked, <laughs> blocked again, been as civil as we could be. So there's quite there's quite a, a frustration or anger or just, just a massively unreasonable response at times. Yeah. How, I mean, that's a perfect example of how councillors, local authorities as well, sorry, yes, because a member of the planning department was shoved in front of the inquiry into this to act on behalf of those who were protesting. It did feel like, and this is me personally saying this, that it did feel like it was more about people's views from their kitchen window as opposed to what was best for that particular stretch of land. So mm. what what was your position be on, on that? I can only speak in my own personal terms on this, really. Obviously, the proposals first came up when we still had the World Heritage status, and I think that was actually outside of the, the boundary. Am I right? Um, I think so. I think it was actually without outside the boundary of the World Heritage site. Yeah. So, so I mean, whilst as I said before, I, I have a I don't like the filling in of docks particularly. In terms of that proposal, I actually think it's quite. I don't have an issue with it really, and I think. One of the interesting things is that whilst there was that Save Waterloo Dock campaign, I don't know much about it, it certainly didn't seem to be high on the radar for most of other people who were interested in heritage in Liverpool, if you know what I mean. It didn't get a big popular support. It's not sort of something like, you know, when the Florrie was in a state of disrepair and, you know, that yes. got massive interest across the city. That, that, that's a beautiful uh, building. I mean, anyone anyone that right yeah. now would support the, you know, the, the, the like renovation. The, Another one that I can think of is Everton Library. You can you can speak to people in South Liverpool and say, "Oh, that building up in Everton," and they'll go, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, we should definitely like protect or save that or do something to it." Yeah. Um, but I never got that feeling from, from people that they felt particularly strongly about West Waterloo Dock. The, the proposals went through the mill a few times. So again, we follow this kind of thing, and we saw we saw what tends to happen a lot with Liverpool waters and that stretch of land which Peel are working with developers to bring it all forward. Things seem to shrink. So every time a proposal first comes out, it's this big idea, and then slowly but surely ground down to something smaller. Will be red brick, couple of arches, a bit of a bit of a sort of a nod to the Albert Dock, and then that's where it ends up. So I think mm. from aesthetically, it could have been better, even though it, in terms of scale, it's probably the most we're going to get away with on that site. Because if you take a look at that particular um, plot of land, it, it is battered. It's just it's partly filled in already. The idea that, that it needs protecting in some way is is absurd and. The, the most, I mean, at its height, they were claiming that it was the site of a, and no doubt it was, an, an observatory from, it's long gone. Um, and that was the reason to retain a derelict car park. So the observatory is gone. You can't yeah. protect things that aren't there anymore. That's a fundamental. Um, there's an understanding of, of heritage and conservation from a, for what I don't really like the term lay person, but, you know, an, an average person sort of understanding. And then there is the quite technical planning and professional understanding of it. And they're not yes. exactly the same. And yes. I firmly believe this. If it's done correctly and it's done with honesty and uh, integrity, you could get away with quite a lot of stuff development-wise that will still protect and preserve heritage. And you've yes. got to remember that to come on to Bramley Moor Dock and the filling in of that dock and building it, it would have been absolutely unconceivable for historic England to view that positively because yeah. it was a grade two listed dock. Their yeah. job is to protect it. So their role, if you like, is to say, we don't agree with this. But the planning system is set up that, okay, they've made an uh, objection to it and they can take that objection you know, up to the Secretary of State if they feel it's that important. But at the end of the day, the planning system has that balance in it where it does allow decisions to be made which say, well, do you know what? 
losing that particular bit of heritage is worth the the benefits that we'll get. In, in, in many ways, I was against the filling in of the dock and the building of the Bramley Moor Stadium from a conservation perspective, but from a redevelopment and economic perspective, it makes perfect sense. I think it shows you that was actually a case of where, the, okay, it was probably incredibly frustrating for Everton and Peel and everybody involved, but mm. that actually shows you how the planning process worked quite well, I think. I don't think... For I a think change, yeah. That, that, that tension... <laughs> is that's actually part of the system, you know, yeah. where you can have that argument and that debate. And I think the decision ultimately was the right one. How can I say I disagree with it, but it was the right decision? This is what's frustrating. <laughs> that, yes, of course, this is what's frustrating. I mean, Everton have, have retained the dock as part of the planning process that the dock has been mm. underneath the stadium will always be there, retained as it is with some of the key buildings in the city that the docks are still there. Same in Liverpool 1, they retain the original dock as, as a visitor attraction. But the idea that heritage groups because their, their remit is to what seems to be ob just object to things. They have to just throw out an objection, which is and rather than have the flexibility to say, yes, this is heritage, but then present an argument where they don't seem like they're just throwing an objection into the planning process because they have yeah. to, um, and then yeah. risking what would be millions of pounds of investment, hundreds of jobs of construction, and pro hopefully a catalyst for the north of the city, which is desperately needed. You cannot put a derelict dock before... A the needs of a growing city. That I mean, that's what makes me frustrated yeah. about some heritage intervention, if you like. But, but what what I'd say about Historic England in particular is they're not just a heritage lobby. They are the government's advisor on heritage, and their role is to is to act as the protectors of heritage. So they come from naturally that point of view. One thing mm. I would point out though is that one of the the major schemes that's been very successful with Historic England or English Heritage as it was until a few years ago in Liverpool was the, the Echo Stop the Rock campaign, which you may yeah, remember. I remember, yes. I remember the Carcetelli um, building on the corner. Carcetelli building, what's now a loft, was the uh, 30 James Street, the Titanic building. Yes. Many other buildings in Liverpool. And that was a really, really good concentrated effort of Liverpool and exactly. Historic England yeah. working yeah. together. Do you know what? We're going to support you to bring these buildings back into use and make yes. the necessary changes to them that, that were needed. But I think some of the positives get lost in all the negatives. You know, you say, oh, they're always objecting. Well, that was a case where they were actively going, no, we'll help you out. Yes, of <laughs> course. This is the point with heritage. Well, I keep having to remind people, we try to do this as much as we can in Liverpool, we are not against heritage because we want to see the city develop. No one in their right mind will want to see any more of Liverpool's best buildings lost, because plenty have been lost over the last 100 years for one reason or another. We don't advocate that at all, but what we would like to see is heritage concerns more focused where they should be concerned, not trying to interfere with much needed development, perhaps interfere when the quality of the development is good enough, i.e. it's not, you know, the building is an ugly stump of red brick with, you know, it's a packed with micro student flats or whatever. I know that's a bone of contention for people, but try and focus yeah. more on like Stop the Rot, where we save great buildings all over Liverpool. That should be more of a focus. And it doesn't seem to be, you've got churches mm. collapsing in Toxteth, you've got the library you mentioned up in Everton, there's yeah. buildings which are being not proactively being protected. And yet the only heritage noise we ever seem to see is mixed in with political agenda, which is about throwing stones or rocks at office development like Pall Mall or stuff at Waterloo Dock or things which are, 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 are seem to be viewed by um, or stirred up locally as capitalists, rich developers wanting to make a quick book out of the city, nonsense like that, which doesn't help. And I, it does feed into this idea that Liverpool's stony ground for investment, I would say, to some degree. Yeah, this is the interesting thing about Stop the Rot. It was an absolute combination of a well-thought-out strategy, which mm. involved 
both carrot and stick and actively was finding good investors and bringing them in who would want to do a good job you know and, and it took a lot of work from local authority and historic england or english heritage i think it was back then and of course private capital at the end of the day it's the private investors and it's private capital who will be putting the money up and getting the benefits of that building whatever it is used for so you have to work with them and you have to be able to get them in and for want of a better phrase good quality money if you know what i mean yes institutional um, good investment quality user. investor institutional investment yeah. if you get People who go, well, do you know what? Yeah, it is going to cost us a bit more, but we are bringing a, a building back that does have you know, great pride for the people of Liverpool, or we see the value of this as you know, more than just bricks and mortar. You know, it's an expression of historic yes. or artistic, or architectural interests, whatever. You know, that's good. Unfortunately, I think one of the issues which plagues, the, sadly, the entire north of England, which is are incredibly low land values compared to, you know, somewhere like, say, down south. I mean, the, the thing is, you can just see, and I've been to many, many a seminar where they've talked about, oh, well, we do this, that and the other and to this lovely grade two listed building. You're like, well, that's absolutely fine, but it's in the middle of Westminster. So, you know, whatever you spend on it, you're going to be making money back on it. Show me a, you know, a, you know, a 40 acre mill site on the edge of Bolton, you know, which isn't not worth that much. And those arguments of preserving the heritage are a lot harder to make. What the developers, yeah, they're businesses. Exactly. But they're businesses, they're people and they're not going to, there does seem to be this general animosity towards developers in terms of, oh, they're making money out of a bubble. Show me a developer who goes that's, anywhere. That's their job. <laughs> that's that to, to, to give money away for free. They'd have to be pretty insane yeah. not to. It's they about will. getting good developers, responsible developers, working with local authorities, coming up with schemes where they can still make a killing because that's what they're meant to do, but then still provide something valuable to the city and the community that, that lands in. There is a balance to be struck. And I think too often people have this sort of fantasy idea that developers are going to come along, give us all free houses, free buildings, free parks. Parks are a big thing for some reason. And it's, then just go away. And it, it seems like a bizarre expectation sometimes. It's, yeah, it's what I describe as the, um, and I've heard it said many, many times. It's, oh, oh, Paul McCartney should give some of his millions for this. Well, he that, gave us, he's, he funds Lipper, doesn't he? So I think he's, I think he's made a bit of a yeah, stake I mean, already. That, that, that's great. You know, that's absolutely fine. But you'll hear it for the most ridiculous things. The Royal Iris Ferry rotting in London. And people are like, oh, well, the Beatles should buy it because they played on there once in the 60s or whatever, a couple of times in the 60s, actually. But it's like, why would why? they do that? If, <laughs> it's other people's money. Exactly. <laughs> and if we care day. that much as a city, do, do a go, go fund me. And, and, and within Liverpool itself or, or the diaspora outside, get people to donate a couple of pounds here and there, two pounds, ten pounds, however they want to do it, and raise the money and bring it back ourselves. This idea that we just throw stones at people who've been successful to sort of pay for these things because they happen to be from Liverpool is a bit of a... Probably one for another debate, it but it's a stra- it is a strange one. But just to round things off, what do you think is is the, the next step or the future of it? How is it going to find a way, uh, off the top of your head at least, to remedy this and harmonise itself mm. with its heritage and its need to develop? We need, and I, I really strongly feel this, is that similar to Stop the Rot, it needs a lot of concerted effort from a lot of different places. This isn't mm. going to be solved by Heritage or Historic England or developers alone or Peel or anybody by themselves what Liverpool needs, and I think what we're severely lacking as a city at the moment, is an aim, is a direction, yes, is a yeah. plan. What we really need is leadership, to be honest. We Quite rudderless, aren't we? Say, yeah, I mean, at, at least in the years leading up to sort of capital of culture and that regeneration from the 80s to the early 2000s, that was taking Liverpool from position A, where we were in 1989, for instance, 
to where we were in 2008. The city had transformed. I went away to university and I remember coming back and going, bloody hell, what's happened here? Amazing. It was exciting and it felt great. But it seems that a lot of that momentum totally disappeared. And for the last 10 years, certainly, we've been flailing around, not really yes. knowing what role we're meant to be doing. You know, we pulled yeah. ourselves up to a certain point. And I, I think we got to a point where we'd sort of successfully and very successfully created ourselves as a, as a tourism city. And that's good because that's that's given us a little a little bit more of a firmer foundation than what we had in the 80s. Yeah. But we haven't gone to the next level because you can't exist just like that we rested on our laurels and i've seen it myself you know tourism now in liverpool sells itself that's my opinion it doesn't need massive ad campaigns from the council and stuff to get people coming to liverpool because we have established ourselves incredibly well as a very good visitor destination and yet that's what they're still doing it's the easy fruit it's the beatles it's football well, that's much easier yeah. than going out and it's, it's much easier than going to Manchester and saying, hey, Mr. Big Massive Organization, business company, commercial organization, come and pick your office block up with three or 400 well-paid, medium-paid or, or massively paid yeah. staff and put them in Liverpool and let them pay into yeah. our taxes and let them come buy a yeah. home there. And we don't go for that because it seems too much like our work. They, on the other hand, other cities like Manchester and so on, they will quite happily go after our tourism industry. So we have no... We're quite rudderless, and I would say I would agree that we, we as a city, not just on heritage, as you pointed out, we don't know where we're going, and we did. Then we lost a decade, and we seem yeah. to be in that same position again where no one can deny the city has changed immensely for the better, and there's a lot of positives as much as we try to highlight what still needs to be discussed and still needs to be debated. There is a lot of positive change that's happened to Liverpool across yeah. the board, but we are incredibly let down by leadership and politics and there needs to be a collective vision of how Liverpool becomes not just some tertiary secondary city second fiddle withering on the vines you know former glorious port no we need to find out how through our city's built environment through politics through culture and and, and everything that goes with it we leapfrog over every other city in the UK and position ourselves more positively that's got to be the mission and and the objective And, and if it isn't we're wasting our time um, but I think that that's been that's been. I mean, we've got two minutes left on this on this okay. wonderful <laughs> wonderful Zoom call. That's flowing over quite fast, isn't it? Yeah. When you enjoy yourself, time flies. We didn't kill each other, which is brilliant. And, uh, when people talk, Twitter's, it's better. Twitter's just a bad place, isn't it, for an actual right. in-depth conversation? You can't really discuss any nuances, and you can't understand people's. You know, I laugh. I laugh most of the time. You have to. If you don't I laugh, know. you cry. Some bit. But it, but yeah. it is a really good chance to. <laughs> but it, it is a good chance to hear from people who know more than we do about heritage. We see mm. it or I see it from a certain perspective as, as co-founder of Liverpolitan, but I'm, it's not just my opinion. There's lots of different ones within those who contribute to Liverpolitan, the people we've spoken to. There's similar ilk, but, but there is other concerns and people see things with different points of view. So that's what we like to hear and get other yeah. people's opinions on. And it's been, Richard, it is really good to get opinions like yours because you know more than we do and, you've, and, and you can, you've seen these things on the ground, whether it's been a guide or, or, or government details that you've mentioned. So, yeah, that's brilliant. It's been brilliant. useful to you, Michael. So. It has. It has. <laughs> it, look, it, I love having these conversations because it gives you another perspective. I think it's been a good conversation. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, I'll round off by saying um, thank you very much, Richard, for your contributions. If it's going to be Pleasure. a podcast, I'll do it formally. Thank you. Thank you to Richard MacDonald for uh, chatting to us today. It was a very lively debate. Now, to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes of our In Conversation series, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or Amazon podcast and rss.com. You can also read our regular feature articles and short reads at www.liverpolitan.co.uk and engage in our lively debate by following us on Twitter at Liverpolitans.